Welcome to Community Hope Podcast. We pray that the Word of Christ would dwell in you richly as you listen and that you would be encouraged in Christ. Lord, it's a privilege to stand here and to worship you, to, to gather together in, the com- in community, Lord, in a community of believers. Father, we're your sheep and you choose to use means and you choose to speak through people, so I pray you would speak through me. And, and yet, as we fellowship, as we pray for one another and encourage one another and listen to one another, I, I pray that your body would flourish here, Lord Jesus, at this time. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Maybe seated. Continuing in the last words of Jesus, I'm not going to tell you my word yet until I... Um, tell you about this. Look at Joey with his faux hawk, Joe. Yeah, man, there it is. You're like, which is Joey, right? Um, so some years ago, what? Did, how many years? Was this 10 years ago? 2011? So over 10 years ago, uh, we went on a hike, and we were, uh, we were near Ohio Pile. We started in Ohio Pile, and we hiked. I forget the name of that path, but it was a lot of fun, and we had a good time, but one of the days in the evening, there was what they would call like a cache of water. Somebody left us a jug or two of water at our campsite, and I was so thankful because there was no spring. It was real hot. Remember how hot that was? Like we were like putting our shirt in any pond we could find, you know, and, and um, we would have, our dehydrated meals would have just dehydrated us, right? You know, they, and... Um, and so we get this cache of water, and we use it to have dinner and breakfast and coffee. And then we hike out, but many of us did not have much water at all. And it was hot, and I think, oh, we'll come to a stream, we'll come to something, and there was nothing. And we're drinking our water, and then only a handful of people had water left in those, you know the bags, like you put them in your backpack, then there's a straw connected to them? And here's something about me you may not know. Like, I don't like to share forks or food, right? It, when my grandkids are learning to, like, kiss and they got that open mouth, you know, my daughter thinks it's hilarious because I'm like, <laughs> you know, because she knows I, I'm just grossed out by it, you know, I, you know. <clears throat> and, uh, and here we are, and I am sharing the straw with the group. And I'm praying that nobody passes out and we're drinking, you know, like we were thirsty. And finally, there was a, a detour in the trail because a bridge was out and they took us down a place where there's homes. And we just went to a home, knocked on the door, 20 bucks if you let us fill up your wa- our water bottles. They're like, sure, you know, good deal. And we got water, but we were thirsty. Have you ever been thirsty? Like real thirsty? And somehow you hadn't, well... This is the word, I thirst. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said, to fulfill the scriptures, I thirst. And a jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it up to his mouth. Now, some commentators will say that a lot of plants were called hyssop plants, Others will say, well, if you know anything about hyssops, they're, they're not like that. That looks like the pole they stabbed him with. They're, they're not long. So some people have said, you know, Jesus probably wasn't crucified up that high. 
you know. His, his cross, you don't have to be high off the ground. So maybe they only had to lift it a few feet. So maybe the hyssop branch was not that long. And you also know, like, they painted the door at Passover with the hyssop, right? Uh, so there's a lot going on here. And Jesus is thirsty and he's thirsty to fulfill the scriptures. Isn't it interesting? You know, it's like I'm, in order to fill, fulfill the scriptures, I thirst. And the, and the scripture says in Psalm 69, 21, and for my thirst they gave me sour wine to drink. Isn't it interesting? Like Jesus was all about scripture, wasn't he? I mean, you think about it over and over. It says, you know, I haven't come to abolish the word, but I've come to fulfill it, right? And, and it, when he was born, what does John tell us? The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. So Jesus is the word. He speaks the word. You cut him. He bleeds the word. When he's battling Satan, what does he say? A man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus is quoting the word. He's fulfilling the word. He is the word. When Jesus was arguing with the people and they asked him a question, he's like, you know, you guys, you you don't get it because you neither know scripture. He's like, I I know the scripture and the power of God. Your your question doesn't, doesn't get that. And then as he's about to be seized, look what it says. And then they came up and they laid hands on Jesus and they seized him. And behold, one who one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand, drew his sword, struck the servant of the high priest, and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said, put your sword back into its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Look at this line. Do you think I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send more than 12 legions of angels? I looked up, you know, how many angels it was. And at this time, a good estimate was 6,000 was in a legion. So 72,000. I think one angel could have handled the guys, right? Right? But he's like, hey, I could uh, send 72,000. Even if it's half the number, that would be a pretty impressive number, wouldn't it? And an angel... But then, but how then would the scriptures be fulfilled? It's, I, I start thinking about this, and I'm like, here's Jesus. He's got all the power in the world, right? His, he's, he, he can do what he would want to do, which he prayed before this, Father, I, I don't want to do this, but not my will, your will be done. He had the power to not do his father's will, right? To not fulfill the scriptures, but he's all about fulfilling the scriptures. You know, in our world, it's so different because ours is might makes right, right? There's no justice in the world. There's some justice in the world. The world is just. You got that? Isn't that the way it seems like the one in power wins? Right? The boss, the employee, the guy who owns the car, like whatever it is in the world, the, the bigger one, the one in power wins. And yet, I, 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 and I, I, I like worlds that are that way too. I remember years ago, I was a hall director. So Gretchen and I lived in an apartment in a dorm. We had a, was it 150 guys and, and then another dorm of 50 w- women. And, and one night late, one of the RAs, the people who like oversee the floor, the students, 
called me and he's like, hey, can you give me a hand with a situation? And so I go up there and there's a guy who had transferred in from like a larger school uh, to be on the football team. And he was bigger than the normal football players. He, you could tell he was like uh, using steroids. He was in a rage. He was drunk. And they aren't allowed to have alcohol in that room. And I go in the room, there's alcohol. And I'm like, hey, you know, you're not allowed. It's a dry campus. You can't have alcohol. And he looks at me and he's like, I'm going to get you. And, you know, typically I just power up and go. But I'm like, if he punches me, I don't know that I would be uh, like, I might be down. And how can I get help? But in turn, so I kind of back out, call the police, and then he became a kitten when the police were there. Uh, and yet, and yet, if I had the power, I would have used it, right? And here's Jesus. I got the power, and I don't use it. And, and isn't that really the struggle sometimes in our lives? The scriptures say one thing, and we want to use our power many times to go against it. You know what I'm talking about. You know this battle that goes on, right? Sorry for the bad graphic, but maybe you can see it. Satan always paints God's will as small, restrictive. It's a dead end, right? You don't want this. You need this path, not this path. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Because you start thinking, oh, it's going to be boring. It's not going to be, right? And yet, look at the cross, it looks like a pretty dark path, doesn't it? But what happened on Easter? Right? See, the problem is Satan gets us to focus on the seed part. And we're like, I don't want to go in that ground. Right? It's dark. It's cold. It's not, I don't, that's not good, you know. And we forget the resurrection on the other side. Right? We go in there looking one way, and we're going to come up a, another way. Satan always wants to get us focused on the negative, the difficult. And, and many times, we, we want to use our power to agree with him. And yet, when we go God's way, the scripture way, there is this, like, loss, but there's always this giving back. He never asks for one thing without giving us back something beautiful on the other side. Have this mind among yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form. He humbled himself to become obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. That's the dark side, right? That's where, oh, you don't want that, right? Therefore, God highly exalted him resurrection and gave him a name that is above every name that the name of jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that he is lord to the glory of god the father sometimes saying i'm sorry don't say you're sorry right that's dark that's not going to go anywhere right you need to win right i mean there's so many ways where where we struggle and we, 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 we want to hold on to our rights and, and the evil one's saying no and, we, and Jesus is, no, I have the power but I give that up and I walk into what the scriptures teach. You know, I think one of the, uh, so Jesus is about the Bible and the Bible is about Jesus and what the evil one wants to do then is separate us from the word. Because many times if I don't know the word, I'm not going to, want to do the word and and maybe he separates you from the word with um, busyness right 
too busy to pray. We did a prayer retreat. We had a thousand people there. No, I'm kidding. We, you know, like we did a prayer retreat, you know, because internally you're like, oh, go pray. I don't know. Spend that long, right? Right? You know, like, like the evil one is always trying to separate us from this relationship with Jesus, from the connection to his word, from your, your time of reading and studying and memorizing and meditating. But Jesus was all about the word, and the word is about Jesus. And the more like we get connected to the word, the, the more the power, the grace. It's like the more you have this fruitful life. He says, I'm doing this in order that the scriptures are fulfilled and, and the Lord lives in you and he's going to fulfill the perfect law of Christ in you as you follow him. And then he cries out, I thirst. And you ever ask yourself the question, how thirsty was he? I think it's good for us to remember how thirsty Jesus was. Do you remember what he did in the garden? See the big word? where blood came out of him like sweat? I think I'd be thirsty after that, right? I'm sure he was sweating too. And then right after that, what happens? They, they arrest him, and then they flog him probably 39 times because they say 40 would have led to death. And I'm sorry for the picture, but they used to put like, glass and pottery shards and it's like rips the skin off your body and i'm sure he was thirsty after that and then if that's not bad enough they give him to some guards who blindfold him and punch him and beat him and spit in his face and maybe even pluck out his beard and they say who hit you go ahead prophesy who hit you you imagine after being the skin ripped off your body with a whip and then getting beaten this way. And then they put a robe around him, which couldn't have felt good with all the sores and all the rawness. And then taking the robe off, what did that feel like? And putting a crown of thorns on his head. I mean, you had to be thirsty after that. And then he's so weak that someone else has to carry his cross. That someone else helps. And, you know, I couldn't find a decent picture of a bloody cross. Because you had to think that the cross had Jesus on it. And he's getting help because he's just so weak and he had to be thirsty then. And they nail him to the cross. And then he's up there for hours, naked, I'm guessing in the sun, because it says that it got dark during it, but I, I kind of envision that it, it's hot for a little while. And it's here on the cross when he cries out, I thirst. I mean, that had to be an understatement. And yet when I think about his thirst, if you remember last week, Jim talked about the words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And how shocking it was to hear the Son of God say those words and how every Jewish person is like he's forsaken by the Father, like he's, he's, he's lost, he's God-forsaken, cursed is everyone who hung on a tree. And Jim said, and I agree with him, that Jesus experienced hell on the cross because hell is to be God-forsaken. Hell is to be, is where the absence of God is. And, and yet... The next thing he said is, I thirst. 
Now look, look at this parable because I think there's something deeper. There's a deeper thirst going on. It says, there was a rich man clothed in purple and fine linen who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered in sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. This isn't Fido, right? Dogs in the day were like not, they were thought of like rats or possums. Possums are pretty ugly. Possums are, yeah, they weren't, they weren't thought of as nice animals. And the poor man died and was carried by the angels to the side of Abraham. And, you know, I picture this beautiful, like, funeral for the rich guy and this hardly any funeral for the really poor guy. And yet, on the other side, the poor guy gets, like, they get carried by the angels. And the rich man dies and was buried in Hades, being in torment. And he lifted up his eyes and he saw a father, I'm sorry, saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water to cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in these flames. Jesus cries out, I thirst. Hell is a place of thirst. And also, I find it interesting. You know, I think C.S. Lewis said, the gates of hell are locked from the inside. Meaning, meaning we like walk in, we walk into it. You know, we, there are some people that say, that we say, thy will be done, God. And some people, God goes, thy will be done. You're a rebel till the end. And look at the man's words. He's still giving orders in hell. He wants Lazarus to serve him. Abraham, could you have this poor guy serve me down here in hell? Isn't it interesting? He's still a rich man. He's still seeing things as a rich man. But what is this thirst about? You know, I I think in hell, with the absence of God, all of our desires go unfulfilled. Have you ever said, if only I could have blank, get blank, I'll be satisfied? You're you're lying if you've never said it, right? Did you ever get the thing that you thought would satisfy? How long did it satisfy? I'm still satisfied with my e-bike for a while, you know, right? But how how long did it satisfy? Like, do you ever wonder if some of the most miserable people in the world are the people who can get everything they've ever wanted, Right? Because you just keep, it doesn't fulfill, does it? I I was talking to somebody recently, and they're like, you know, my problem is I love sin more than I love God. And you know what he's talking about, because anytime you choose to sin, that's what you're doing too. You're saying, I love sin more than I love God. But I said to him, you know, your particular sin, when you do it, doesn't it leave you hungry for more? Doesn't it, it doesn't really fulfill, does it? Because it's like you keep going back trying to drink from the same cistern and you're thirsty again and again and again. And you know what I think hell is? I think all of our desires that have some fulfillment on this earth are totally unfulfilled. 
And these small desires, as if we are in hell, they, they become infinite. They, they become like little seeds here, but in hell they're full, fully grown trees and we're hungry and we're thirsty and we're, we're wanting, but there's no fulfillment. I think it's, I thirst is an infinite expression of unfulfilled desires. I think a Psalm 1 where the Bible says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked or stands in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and leaf does not wither and all that he does prospers. That's the life in the word. Satan goes, oh, it's not fruitful. God says, no, it's fruitful, it's beautiful. But then look at the wicked. Not so the wicked. They're like chaff that the wind, there's no substance. The rich man on earth had all this substance, but in hell he had nothing, right? He was weightless. He was insignificant. He was like chaff that blows. And in hell we have all the desires, but no satisfaction. I think a case study for this is King Solomon, right? I I mean, Solomon had money, sex, romance, power. Like, he had everything that the world promises, this will fulfill you. Look what the scriptures say. He said, I accomplished great things. I built houses for myself. I planted vineyards for myself. I made gardens and parks for myself. I planted every kind of fruit tree in them. I made pools of water and forests of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves. In addition to slaves who were born in my household, I owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I gathered silver and gold for myself. I gathered treasures of kings and provinces. I provided for myself male and female slaves singers and pleasures of pleasures men have with one concubine after another the guy how many wives did he had how how sad would it be to be one of his wives you know like one of a thousand or something like i'm not special right you know like and anything he wanted he could have right i mean you and i we turn on the tv for entertainment he's like um i'd like peter paul and mary tonight right Tomorrow night, ACDC, right? Like he could have anything, like anything he wanted, he could have. And yet, what did he say at the end of his life? Vanity, chasing after the wind, doesn't satisfy. It's like I have, I have eaten and I've eaten and I've eaten and I've eaten. And I think hell is just having all these desires and not finding the satisfaction, my mind went to uh, an encounter that Jesus had with a woman at the well. Do you remember this encounter where Jesus talks about living water? And, and here he is with a woman. Will you give me a drink? And she's like, how, you know, you're asking me, you're a Jew, asking, you know, a Samaritan woman, like a nobody, somebody that isn't even spoken to, you know. And Jesus is like, hey, if you know the guy who's asking, you wouldn't just, you know, want water. You would want living water. She's like, what? And then this is the crazy thing. He changes the subject and goes, go get your husband. Why in the world would Jesus, in talking about living water and water, tell her to go get her husband? You know why? The water she's been trying to drink at was the water of relationships. 
Jesus goes, you had five husbands and the guy you're not with is not your husband. It's like she's so thirsty. She keeps looking to sex, relationships, love, to fill and meet her needs. And Jesus is like, you've been drinking from the wrong well. And I'm the well that will fully satisfy. Do you know what he's saying? He's saying you're looking for the water of life and romance and relationships, but that will only leave you thirsty. You need the love of God so you don't look to the love of men to give you what only the love of God can give you. You need the love and glory of God welling up inside of you, washing over you. You need to know it, and then you'll not thirst forever. You know, some people are like, well, I tried Jesus, and I'm still thirsty, but the trouble is, is he's the well that we go back to every day. The world is always promising. If only you get this, you'll be happy. If only you get that. But the only water that fully fulfills is the water from Jesus. So what do we do and how do we get this? I think we love because he first loved us. And when we see Jesus hanging on the cross, crying out, I thirst. When we're like, Lord, you became infinitely thirsty for me. That's the kind of love you have for me. That's the kind of grace you have for me. And he did it so we wouldn't have to have that infinite thirst. He did it so we could have living water for free. Will you pray with me? Lord, lead us to that living water afresh and anew today. Thank you that we can drink. That we can drink from your well. And maybe some of us, Lord, haven't been drinking from your well and we've been following the if-onlys that never fully satisfy. Forgive us, have mercy on us, and lead us unto you, Jesus. In your name we ask this. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Community of Hope, go to www.cohchurch.com. God bless you today.